If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Down the Fab Four are back at you. You waited two weeks for your weekly Friday edition, and we are live, bringing you the best and brightest that we can muster anyway. Uh, co- commentary from a Catholic point of view. America has finally ended its longest war in history, and we lost. That, Cardinal Burke, Pope Francis, and the groomers. Related to the jab? Let's get started. Thanks to our military our allies, and the brave fighters of Afghanistan, the Taliban regime is coming to an end. We'll not conduct a hasty rush to the exit. We'll do it. We'll do it responsibly, deliberately, and safely. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling? None whatsoever. Zero. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is unlikely. Don't you bear some responsibility for the outcome? The Taliban ends up back in control and women end up losing the No, I don't. Do I bear responsibility? Zero responsibility.
hilarious. All it's right. it's Friday night. What? Why are you watching us? Don't you have something better to do? What is Steve doing? Hang out with four of us, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Are you smoking? Did you just light one? Steve's not even serious. (laughs) I'm trying to be serious here. We want to talk about Afghanistan. First up, twenty plus years there, we lost. Every it's it's the uh, graveyard of empires, Ryan. Indeed, it is from the the ancient Greeks to the British and uh, now to us. So the the curious thing is why this is happening now. And I don't think anybody has that exact reason. People might, you know, lay it at Biden's incompetence or that this and that sort of thing. But the reality is that when we went to war in Afghanistan, of course, it was all sold on the back of 9-11. I'm not going to talk about 9-11 today. We got a few more weeks for that anniversary where I'll go gangbusters on that. But. Really, irrespective of whatever you might think about 9-11, according to Donald Rumsfeld's own uh, testimony to the 9-11 Commission, the order to attack Afghanistan was sitting on baby Bush's desk on 4th September 2001. It was a war that was already planned, was already ready to go, and for very specific reasons, right? And so all the main strategists for the left and the right were laying this out way back even in the 70s when Jimmy Carter it, it, you know created al-Qaeda right in terms to fight the Soviets to make the Soviets all run into their own Vietnam it was Zygmunt Brzezinski who uh, came up with the doctrine of uh, you know the grand chessboard right and he's he's kind of one of those big uh, international advisors for the left Whereas you have Henry Kissinger on the is one of the big advisors on the right, and they agreed on this that Afghanistan is that main strategic piece in terms of controlling Eurasia with a vast amount of oil and gas resources, uh, lithium. Why is lithium important? You know, it was already important in two thousand one. Batteries, uh, batteries for your cell phone, batteries for all sorts of things, which would become increasingly important in the future because they knew cell phones were going to keep rolling out more and more. Um, so many resources and then strategic metals and and of course opium, right? Uh, uh, heroin, and, you know, it's it grows there you know, incredibly well, and the Taliban had killed off the world supply by bringing opium you know down to nothing. So it, what happens after we invade Afghanistan? The opium goes back up. The CIA has more funding for its black projects through drug sales, and you know there you are. Now none of those interests for which this whole stupid war, you know, which which drained you know our military resources, killed the lives of our, you know, took the lives of so many of our soldiers, took you know hundreds of thousands of Afghan civilian lives. None of that, you know, none of the things for which the elites went to war. Namely, the strategic metals, the gas pipelines, none of those things have changed to, to, you know, going to today. So is it Biden's incompetence or is it the fact that the Bidens are horribly in bed with China? And what happened as soon as the the Taliban started taking over all these main regions? The Chinese met with Taliban officials and told them, we'll respect your borders and your territory and your traditions, but we hope the the, uh, mineral pipelines are going to be going. I think this was something that was arranged as a backdoor uh, thing, yeah, between the Chinese and Biden in order to get, um, you know, this eventuality taking place. And we still have troops in the region. They took three thousand troops out of Afghanistan and moved them to Kuwait, and sent 
2,000 more into Afghanistan for the withdrawal. So I'm not sure how much our actual military presence is going to cease in the region, even if we're ceasing actual operations. But it's clear to me something else is going on in the background that that's, we are not privy to yet. And in in watch the Chinese role, because if you're not good on geography, China's right over there. Right. And so it's, it's a huge interest to them strategically. Let's kick it over to Steve. Steve Cunningham, uh, Afghanistan has uh, ostensibly come to an end. Um, there is a withdrawal. Four presidents, four successive presidents, two Democrats, two Republicans have waged war in Afghanistan uh, to some degree or another. The question is, why now? Why now? Why, as, on, as the world is on the verge of another lockdown, why, uh, in the wake of Tradiciones, uh, Custodes, why, in the wake of Governor Cuomo going down? If, if Biden was correct in what he said, and what he said was, I could have ended this war now or in five months or in five years, and the result would have been the same. It would have been Cambodia 2.0. Why did he choose now? Bread out of ice cream? Uh, this whole thing, I mean, what happened the day after? Syria got bombed by Israel. No one talked about that. As Ryan brought up about China, that's all part of the reset. And there was a lot of things that went down immediately after that. If you're following what the WEF talks about, Afghanistan was right there with it and their plans going. It was almost like, what? what is this? Is, was this a WEF plan, too, to go with it? I mean, from China to – and then you get all these weird things with the, the people running. And you see the two, the two idiots running by the plane going, wee, and then looking at the camera. And uh, it's there's so much going on. As Father R talks about on his uh, YouTube channel about communism, you're getting shots thrown at you from all around. It's what communists do to overload you. And what no one's talking about, Pfizer is coming out next week. The reports are to uh, FDA approval for the jab, which if you thought warp speed was, quote, unquote, fast, you're going to get some ludicrous speed if there's any fans of space balls out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Light speed too slow. Let's get a ludicrous speed. Uh, and no one's talking about that one or anything else about the lockdowns or New Zealand going down for one case, not one million, the number between zero and two. Yeah. And what you got, the, Michael Matt had a great art, a great thing that uh, the other day about connecting that was a Colonel Carafa with Schwab uh, back in two and the Pope. Uh, doing what was that? That underground convention thingy for the poor, the uh, commandments for the poor, or whatever the heck that is. Uh, no one's really talking about all those. But they're all focused on Afghanistan. I even see Catholics; they're talking more about Afghanistan than they are talking about the mandates. Yeah, and I think even the guys that are on our side, they're they're talking more about the. There was one somebody posted something about there's Taliban going around. Finding Christians going cell phone to cell phone, door to door. I'm going, hey, you, hey, you, you blindly believe that kind of article by a guy that's writing that over in the U.S. And that's that, you're not, you haven't talked once about door to door jab guys going door to door. Literally here on the news, literally go down the street from me. Mm-hmm. None of that's getting told. But all of a sudden, oh, the, these Taliban guys who, by the way, if you watch Rambo three, he was dedicated to. Uh, used to be our buds. These these guys are now going door. They may be. Who knows? But now all of a sudden the media is infallible. 
we're we're all hooked. I think these even good Catholic guys just have a bloodlust for war. Um, and, and again, well, no one talked about the Afghanistan for the last twenty years till now. No one brought up the general talking about the seven countries. Was it General uh, Wesley Clark? Clark, yeah, talking about the seven that were taken down. No, no, don't talk about that, mm-hmm. Brother Martin. Well, there's, there's. An, all right, never mind. Good, let Brother go, Brother Martin. When you when we discuss Afghanistan, I mean, there's there are a couple of things at play here. I mean, there's the there's the just war theory articulated by Saint Augustine, and that theory was used by baby Bush to justify going into Afghanistan as a preemptive uh, thing. Uh, I mean, really, he used the preemptive argument for Iraq, but in conjunction with the uh, incursion into Afghanistan, when Barack Hussein Obama uh, came to power, legally or illegally, depending on where you think he was born, um, and he wanted to double down on Afghanistan, as he pronounced it, but pull out of Iraq. In Iraq, you have oil infrastructure, literacy, national identity. In Afghanistan, you have none of those things. Um, the question is twofold. If you break it, you bought it, does that apply to Afghanistan? Should we have just stayed there and like eased out in a different way? Should we have been there forever? Um, is there any other way out? And then the secondly, what should we be thinking about the Christians there who are mo- more than likely going to be genocided by the Taliban who's now being uh, who's allowed to be on Twitter, uh, unlike Donald Trump. You certainly bring up a, a good point where even if we didn't have to go in, once we went in, we, we acquired the responsibility to make sure that when we pulled out, something worse didn't happen. And I think now when, when the Taliban goes in, they obviously there, there was reports and rooters that said that the Taliban were going around looking for Bible apps. On Christians on, on people's phones to see if they're a Christian so that they could they could kill them uh, obviously the situation is, is worse for Christians now than it was well, I don't know if it was before but certainly it's it's bad now <laughs> where they're literally going around checking people's phones uh, for, for 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 sake of scripture I think the United States does have a, a moral responsibility for those Christians to make sure that they're at least safe I mean we give asylum to anybody who wants to cross our southern border just for any reason whatsoever uh, I think especially if it, being a nation founded on at least some Christian principles, we have some obligation to our Christian brothers as Christians, as St. Paul says, uh, to take care of them first. As far as the, the St. Augustine Just War Theory, uh, I believe it. Our Holy Father doesn't, as, as stated in, his, in one of his latest encyclicals, uh, in, a, in a small fo- footnote. Yeah, right. Um <laughs> But um, I don't know if you guys yeah. heard this, but we are actually beyond just war theory. It doesn't even apply anymore because that's one of the footnotes <laughs> to Tutti Frutti. Yeah, that was right. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to think of. I, I mean, I am. I'm in one sense. I'm, I'm glad for, as an American. I'm, I'm glad that we, we can stop spending money on, on something that was useless. At the same time, as a Christian, I, I'm, I'm I'm sad that this is this is the the events that are going on in the world. Um I do believe, as Christians, there is some responsibility that we have for the pre- persecution of Christians in the Middle East, um, because we know if, if we were in, in their situations, we, we would be crying for help and, and praying to God for help as well. Uh, <laughs> how, however, however, um, things are more political than they are spiritual these days, and when when you weigh spiritual costs versus political costs, our nations are so are so political and so secular that 
um, it, it's it's not really a reality that they actually care about religious freedom. Yeah. Um, I want to kick it back over to Ryan because I know you got more uh, complex and diverse thoughts, uh, particularly about, you know, why now? And I want you to answer mm-hmm. that question. I just want to observe as somebody who's been in both Iraq and Afghanistan, I can, I can attest to the fact that in Afghanistan there was no real mission, at least for my battalion, 3rd Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion in the southern Helmand River Valley, in which we sat there basically on the Pakistani border every year, Terrorists would come up from the Paki border. They would dig holes in the ground, put bombs in the ground, um, try to kill Americans in as cowardly a way as, as possible. We would chase them back down to the Paki border. They would jump into Pakistan, and we would do nothing about it, literally nothing. As a reminder, Pakistan's where we found bin Laden hiding, um, supposedly. So um, as you look at it, in Iraq, again, we had strategic reasons at least for being there, and to his credit, we've been very critical of DJT on this show, but the 45th president of the United States at least said, hey, we've spent a lot of money over there. Can we at least get some oil in return? Yes, there. Uh, as Ryan said, there are some minerals in Afghanistan, really valuable ones, but good luck mining them in that place that has no national unity, national economy, national currency, national literacy, uh, or infrastructure to speak of. It's not really a nation, never has been. And uh, I have to tell you, the moment that President uh, Barack Hussein Obama said that we were going to double down, triple down in Afghanistan uh, and pull out of Iraq, which was won by that point. Iraq was won. And then we saw ISIS and we saw the genocide against Christians. You can bet your bottom dollar that uh, Obama not only hates America, but he hates Christianity. Ryan Grant. So the wine now, I floated in my earlier segment that China has a lot to do with it because China stands to benefit uh, quite a bit from the la- uh, the lack of U.S. military presence in Afghanistan. But there is ne- the, I think it's a sober rule to observe in any kind of international events that there is not one reason for this to happen. <clears throat> There's not one reason for the JFK assassination. There is not one reason for Vietnam War. There is not one reason for the Gulf War, 9-11, and the Afghan War, or the Afghan pullout, as we're at now. There's not just one reason for it. And I think the biggest takeaway we can get, and this will lead us into one of our, our other stories, maybe, if we're, if we're going to cover it tonight, is that it's really the Afghan War coming home is what it is. And and you look at certain things, that, meta-narratives that are already being seeded into the medium. Actually, people have referenced it in the chat already, that the Taliban is going after the jab. They're saying, no jabs. We don't want to support jabs. We don't want any jabs here. Um, we we uh, And, of course, they're using apps. Of course, that's being seeded out there in the media. Steve uh, mentioned his skepticism about that. It may or may not be true. But the media is sure as heck reporting on this, that they're using media and app data to go after Christians. Who's using the Bible app? Okay, that's where we're going to go, knock down doors and, and drag people out and hang them and, and uh, burn them or whatever they're going to do, behead them. So interestingly, that's also what the U.S. government has, has really always done. I mean, we, we locked up Japanese in concentration camps. We use the census data to do it. Um, and now with we know all about phone data and metadata and all the things that basically anything you do on any cellular device is recorded, tracked, 
and and followed at least by computer algorithms and when enough things flag people come after it look at what's going on over there and realize that's all coming here combine that with last week the department of homeland security put up a terror threat alert that they said is not based on actual intelligence but nevertheless is something to watch out for anyone who's skeptic skeptical about uh um the unspecified virus from of unspecified origins uh, control measures, right? Anyone who is skeptical of uh, you know what what's being done about that doesn't want to get the jab. Yeah. Anyone that uh, you know thinks the election might have been somewhat fraudulent. Anyone who thinks that um, you know you know, 9-11 or there's something funky going on there, or is focusing on anniversaries of that, or religious holidays, surprisingly. And so they put that out there, again, seeding that out there in the narrative. You're a terrorist if you don't like lockdowns, if you don't like the jab, if you don't like whatever else they're coming out with. And so you look at the U.S. military, what it was, do, what it was doing in the early days of the war in Kabul and all these places, going into caves and blowing things up, knocking down doors, grabbing people, throwing them down in Guantanamo. That style of warfare is what's coming home right here to the U.S. of A., Brian, you and, said and something, I, I, though. I can't help myself. You said religious holidays. We just had a huge religious holiday, August 15th. It, and by the absolutely. way, that was the day that this guy, the pillow guy, said back in March that Trump was going to be back. What I'm talking about, Steve, is what I have been doing since January 9th. All the evidence I have, everything is going to go before the Supreme Court and the election of 2020 is going bye-bye. It was an attack by other country, communism coming in. I don't know what they're going to do with what after they pull it down, but it's just... But hang, hang, on, on, hang on a second. Hold hang, on. Donald hang, Trump will go, be go back ahead. in office in August. It's always a Catholic holiday. It's always... Oh, it's it's, it's August 15th. Brother Martin, do you trust December the plan, 8th, Brother January Martin? 6th. Do you trust it? I mean, it was kind of like the when people were saying that the world's going to end on May such and such a date in you know, 2010 or whatever else. Like, if you really believe that, put you know, donate all your money to the church or something, you know, since you won't be needing it anymore. Uh, no, I never really trusted the plan. Uh, I know the, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are just two sides of the same coin at this point. They really are. Um, the question is, what do we do from here on out? What, how do we vote as voters? Um, what are we? What are we? Well, obviously, our hope is in our Lord Jesus Christ and in our faith. Uh, we just buckle in, live our faith, and, and accept the consequences, whatever they might be. Uh, but no, I didn't trust the plan. Steve, where is Mike Lindell right now? No idea. That was the first time I've seen him. I don't watch the talking as usually, so Mike Lindell, I've, I've never heard him speak, so I have no idea where, what, what he's up to or any of that stuff. Well, but, where's uh, Trump? Good, Trump's good supposed Ryan to be back in the about. White House. Oh, yeah. Well, you got a bunch of these guys out there talking about that. I mean— I forgot. I've I've lost count of how many days. What day was he was supposed to come back again? But yeah, I mean, what Brian was talking about with the last week with the uh, uh, Department of Defense calling us all terrorists. Oh, I, this show four or five months ago, I think we said, "Hey, where are the terrorists? That's Look right. in the mirror. You are the new terrorist." As a spoiler alert: You you are. Uh, hate to say we were right on that one again. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, right now in France, they're uh, banning people from going into the grocery store. Videos of that. That's coming home to here. They want violence. What's going to happen is somebody's going to get mad, 
take somebody down, and then it's going to be martial law. That is what they want. In fact, they, they keep saying that it's for your safety. Uh, I have a video here of a young lady who was denied medical service because of her vaccination status. I've had a cardiologist appointment scheduled since May. It is now August. Today is my appointment. I show up for that appointment wearing a mask. He's wearing a mask. And I'm told that because I am not vaccinated and because he is too young to be vaccinated, I can't be seen. A five-month pregnant woman who is having heart problems cannot see the cardiologist she has waited months to see because I'm not vaccinated. Tell me again that it's about public health. These doctors and nurses should be ashamed of themselves for turning away a patient who needs help because of their vaccination status. Okay, so that is, that's just a foretaste of what's coming to the USSA. As Steve said, it's getting worse around the world. Uh, they're rounding children up in Australia and uh, jabbing them against their parents' will. Uh, they are banning you in parts of Europe from transacting. We're headed for a cashless economy. This is, this is all very real. I mean, we've been talking about this on the rundown since before our one-year anniversary. I mean, we've been talking about this for quite some time. Steve, you're not a conspiracy theorist, but you and I and Ryan and brother and I have been called that. We've been labeled hysterical conspiracy theorists. I, I tend to I tend to just look at what's happening in the world and the facts and uh, what the World Economic Forum is publishing uh, as their goals. I mean, we've been right more often than we've been than we, we've been wrong when we make predictions. And I don't necessarily want to be right. No, I wish we were wrong on everything, dude. I mean, uh, the cash of society thing. They're out there talking about right now doing digital currency, which is the digital wallet, which will lead to, as Catherine Austin Fitz has talked about countless times in the last week, just look on anything special on the high wire, the symposium they did with the UK column, things like that. If that happens, that's the end of freedom forever. You're done. That's going to be they're going to be able to shut you off from buying groceries, transactions, travel, your internet, whatever. You name it, done. Unless you get unless you get the jab or anything like that. If you see the uh what's going on with the uh the passports right now, well the the medical the lady you just had on. There's been four or five incidents already about people getting taken off the organ transplant list because they haven't gotten it. Uh out in Europe. I don't know what. I, it's amazing seeing the videos that's coming out of France, Australia. They got helicopters chasing runners, they call them. News report. There are two people that broke quarantine in Australia, and they had a helicopter over their house in case they ran because they broke quarantine. Yeah. Not that they raped gang raped anybody yeah. or was putting drugs out like you know my brother somebody was talking about uh, uh baltimore so you could they've got they decriminalize uh prostitution drug sales and indecent exposure but if you walk or walk around without a mask they'll come after you this is this is if you guys think this is you know oh we're a bunch of nutballs <laughs> wait five minutes all that comes true i mean i 
this is not like pat on the back or self-congratulatory, but one of the things that the four of us have talked about, both on Census Fidelium, which you need to subscribe to, and RTF, is the Holy Face and the devotion of the Holy Face. I, I uh, don't have the framed image with me, but somebody from Ireland sent me a beautiful Holy Face. One of the prayers that's associated with the Holy Face is, Show us thy face, O Lord, and we will be saved. The demonic inversion of that prayer is, Hide from us thy face, O citizen, or we will be infected. Something I've been saying for about a year, something that Steve's been saying for about a year. When you look at the facts on the ground in Baltimore, this, the example that Steve just used, perfectly, example, perfectly acceptable for you to flaunt your genitals in public, but if you show your face in public, that's now deemed offensive. In other words, we want all parts of the body except the face, the magnificence of the human person, the part of the body that is created in the image and likeness of God, which expresses the innermost desires and the magnificence of our Creator. So, um, I don't think that there's I don't think that there's a coincidence, Ryan, uh, that they want to mask our face, but they're totally okay with the rest of our bodies just hanging out in the wind. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's really the demonic inversion of humanity. It is. I mean, the, the, there's a Latin word for face, voltus, or in church Latin, voltus, and it means your countenance. Uh, it, and it's more than a, the mere uh, physical nature of your face. Your countenance is your your spirit. Your everything that's manifested by your face, your face manifests your mood, it, 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 your eyes, uh, so many different things. They manifest who we are as persons in the nature of our body, soul, unity. And when you mask the face and you cover it up, you're also hiding your countenance, vultus, you know, that Latin word again. And and what do we, you know? And it's uh, you know, what do we say in the Psalms? Let let thy countenance shine upon us, right? That's what we want. And which is literally your face with a sign of, of pleasure. Okay, it is no surprise that the uh, Fauci diapers are coming back with style with the uh, the the arrival of the Delta variant, which is a pandemic of the jabbed. Um, and so it's been revealed too that the CDC, when they say it's a pandemic of the unjabbed, um, it's it's basically just a guess on their part. They have zero data backing that up. On the flip side. You have all the data from Israel, from uh, Norway, from the, the highest jabbed countries in the world where the Delta scariant is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it, it's basically, it, you know, it, it was a bad jab. I mean, apart from anything else, it's not safe. It's incubating the the the, the, ver- the scariants that we're now seeing. And the unjabbed are, you know not terribly affected by it. You get some people are coming in there, Jeb, but and again, how do we trust these statistics too? Because you got so many people that it might be, um, they came into the doctor for something and they had to take a test and the test showed they're positive. They never got symptoms, but now they're in the stats of see the, the unjabbed, you know, they're, they're causing this, who knows what, what, what's really going on no, with exactly. a lot of these. It, it, it so, makes it, makes it very difficult to discern. And here you have, uh, I keep hearing how base Texas is. Especially the Catholics in Texas. They're very proud of the Lone Star State. I can tell you I've lived all over three points of the Texas Triangle. And, um, well, Catholicism thrives in other places. Here's one of the reasons why Greg Abbott, your so-called Catholic governor, pushing the jab. Uh, This is Governor Greg Abbott. As you may have heard by now, I have tested positive for COVID-19. I test myself every day, and today is the first day that I tested positive. 
The good news is that my wife continues to test negative. Also want you to know that I have received the COVID-19 vaccine, and that may be one reason why I'm really not feeling any symptoms right now. I have no fever, no aches and pains, or other types of symptoms. Also, I want to express my gratitude for everybody across the entire country that has been sending in their well wishes. Similarly, I want to send well wishes myself to everybody across the country, and especially here in Texas, for everybody else who is going through the challenge of having COVID. I want you to know that as I work my way through this, I will stay engaged every single day on everything happening at the Texas Capitol, including working with the members of the legislature, as well as the members across the entire state to keep Texas the best state in the United States. God bless you all, and God bless Texas. So, so here we have the governor of the great state of Texas, America's favorite southern neighbor, and uh, he is saying, essentially, uh, thank God that I got the jab, and God bless all of you people that were involved in developing the jab, <coughs> Donald Trump. And uh, I probably I probably would have had real symptoms, but I still got infected. That, do you see how they're subtly changing the narrative, Brother Martin? Before, a vaccine is supposed to prevent you from actually contracting a pathogen. Now, what they're telling you is that well, you're still going to get it, but it may not be as bad. They're moving the goalposts. They're changing, they're, they're changing the narrative on absolutely everything, absolutely everything. We called this back when uh, Catholic bishops were trying to appeal to the, the principle of ma- remote material cooperation in evil. Like the very philosophical principle has in the title, in evil, in evil. And then you get someone like Bishop Tobin from Rhode Island saying the the jab is good. The jab is good. But the the only reason we could take it is if we appeal to some philosophical principle that has in its title in evil, participation in evil. So slowly but surely they've they've been changing the narrative on absolutely everything. So now, yes, the vaccine or the jab prior uh, was supposed to somehow prevent us from catching catching the poison, whatever. But now, um, oh, uh, it doesn't do that anymore, but it lessens symptoms. It's like, well, if, if I'm healthy enough and I can stand the symptom, symptoms, then, then why am I required by law to get to get it when I have moral objections, conscientious objections, yeah. uh, taking away my, my, my religious rights? So None of it makes sense. The, re- the required by law part, I put together like a, a little video that talks about the required by law, but unfortunately it deals with some really heavy topics. So if you're watching with children right now, first of all, you shouldn't be watching with your children on a Friday night. This is the rundown. This is not for children. Uh, okay, Steve, you want to weigh in on Abbott? Fine, Steve. Abbott. I, I, I couldn't wait. I mean, here's <laughs> a guy that it, every day gets tested. As we know, PCR is highly inaccurate, 95% false positives. The guy is getting tested every doggone day. All of a sudden, day 20, <laughs> he gets, a, he gets uh, a, a positive test. Oh, I got the Rona. I'm quarantining myself. What, does he get tested the next day and it goes, oh, no, you don't have it. No, how come there was no report on that? Or especially when he goes, I don't have any symptoms, but I'm staying in. That used to be called healthy. I have no symptoms. Also known as I'm healthy. <laughs> no, you, at this point, at this point, you're either pre-COVID 
or you're COVID positive or you're post COVID pending the next round of COVID. But in all, in all yeah. cases, you're you're in some variation of having COVID. Yeah, basically, like uh, uh, Carrie Mullis says, if you look at the PCR, it goes with that whole Buddhist thing of everything's inside you. Hey, there, all right, let's let's test it at 120 RPM so that we'll find it, doggone it. <laughs> it's like when people say that they're pre-diabetic. They're like, oh, I'm pre-diabetic. I'm like, well, technically, aren't everyone who's not Everybody. diabetic pre-diabetic? Or I'm pre-cancerous. I'm, pre-di- <laughs> I'm pre-COVID. One view or another. We're all pre-death. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I no, have no, this groomer's video. No one's you, saying anything. No one in Texas going, ah, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> we check our brain at the door, December 31st, 2019. Like the joke goes. I need to make myself a new gin and tonic and you need to watch this groomer's video. Here it is. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly. And you will barely notice it. When they start finding things online that you've kept far from their sight We're coming for them We're coming for your children We're coming for them been my first year in preschool with a class of my own teaching alongside another queer neurodivergent educator and we have been rocking our twos class we've been talking about gender and skin color and consent and empathy and our bodies and autonomy it's been fabulous but our teaching team is shifting and a new person is being onboarded, someone with many years of experience. So today at the lunch table, when the topic of gender and genitals came up, one of our students plainly looked up and said, well, I'm a girl today, but I know that teacher Ko isn't. No, they're Envy. And the look on the incoming teacher's face was priceless. She was shocked in a good way. And she just looked around at the two of us and said, this class is incredible. And I am so impressed.
mums and dads, your children will be well looked after inside when they arrive. They'll be literally ushered. We'll have uh, nurses, we'll have uh, some of the youth command, we'll have uh, some of the young, young police from the uh, uh, various uh, operations within police there just to guide them through um, as to where they go. They'll be looked after every moment inside the, uh, the stadium and uh, they'll be well cared for. So mums and dads feel secure. We've got about 24,000 students we're aiming to get through next week. Uh, the messages will come out this week and the opportunity is there, but really you've got to take it, grasp it with both hands. Um, I know uh, if you talk to any of our Olympians, I'll tell you, you've just got to grasp opportunity and this is an opportunity, so don't waste it. Okay, I need to sprinkle some holy water on this video before we even cut to you, Ryan. We need to hear something uh, positive and uplifting. I don't know what that was, but it was better, I think. I think. Was that better? I don't know. Ryan, go. <laughs> oh, brother. Um, all I can think of when I see videos like that, um, I can't say those words publicly that, that, that float to my lips when I see things like that and children being forced away from their parents. And so we knew it was going there uh, last year. There, there were some circles I used to run in with uh, some people on FedBook, and I still think that they're, they're decent guys. They just don't see it. And I said back then, look, this is going to lead to mandatory jabs. And they said, no, that'll never happen. That's just conspiracy and fear mongering. They're never going to do that. They can't do that. Here we are. And businesses are requiring it. And like in Washington, which is right next to me, Inslee is now requiring it um, in all schools, even private schools. He's requiring it. He's requiring it for all state employees, including state troopers. Uh, a friend of mine, um, you know, she's the wife of a state trooper. And she, now this is not confirmed. So this is third hand. Just so we, we got that clear. But it's been related to me by him, who is a state trooper that a vast number of them are, are ready to quit rather than get the jab. And, and then again, maybe that's what they want. Maybe they want to replace uh, principled men in law enforcement with the kind of thugs that the deep state wants to have as your law enforcement in place of your serve and protect officers that live in your community and actually want to be responsible officers. I don't know. But um, same thing with uh, nurses. You're seeing, you know, major staffing shortage um, here in, in North Idaho. Kootenai uh, Health actually is, is debating whether to make the jab mandatory. And the word I'm getting there, uh, another buddy of mine I just met with last night, his wife's a nurse in, in their COVID ward of all places. And she said that they're, they're so below capacity in terms of staff right now that they're afraid if they mandate the jab that they won't even be able to f open the doors, that they, they won't be able to function as a hospital if they mandate the jab because so many people won't get it. And therein lies where the, the pushback that needs to happen is we need to have a unified, massive pushback where we will not get the jab when you make it mandatory. You will be short-staffed. You will close your doors. You will not open and run as a business because no one will work for you as long as you're mandating the jab. That's the only way to beat it. If we don't do that, it just rolls in. Now, that being said, I had, uh, you know, I, I, I market my book club most of the, you know, the weeks and this subscription service. Um, 
I had three cancellations just this last two weeks uh, from different people that I'm being forced to take the jab at work. I'm not going to take it and I'm going to quit and I'm going to be unemployed and I don't know where my money's coming from. So I have to cancel, which absolutely hell, <laughs> I'm going to send you the book anyway, just for that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I fully understand that uh, that that's reality. It's a hard choice. I'm self-employed, so it's there. It's gonna be further down the road when the axe hits me on this stuff. But uh, where you're at now, you depend on that job. This is not an easy choice. When we rail against the jab here, we are not judging you because you feel tempted because you're looking at your income, your job, your retirement, all these things, and the jab. You know, we're not judging you for that. You know, when we we rail against this thing and, and, and all the different things that are going on, that's a hard choice. And if you, you know, went and did it, you know, it's like, I, I really hope you don't. But I, honestly, I, I don't blame you at the same time. This is a hard choice. And it's not our place to judge anyone. Just pray. No. We'll pray for you. And God willing, it, it helps you. Nobody... But you also have to understand, it's not stopping at whether you and your employment are going to be forced to take the jab. It's going to be, oh, well, we see that your children, for whom we have social security numbers for, are not, you know, jabbed. And so we're going to come kick down the doors and forcibly take them from you, like in Australia, yeah. and jab. So you got to realize that you really need to make your line in the sand and stand now, because eventually it is coming to that apex. It will come to them banging down your door and taking your kids for the jab. And, and what are you going to do with that? That's a sobering that thought. Stand? Right. I mean, like. We, we on the rundown, we predicted the second lockdown. We told you the third lockdown was coming. We told you that the that Operation Warp Speed was, you know, uh, was all designed uh, to bring this to you, that when Trump said he was going to use the military to distribute the jab, he actually meant what he said. We told you that Q Anon was a PSYOP. We told you what was going to happen with the election. We, t I mean, uh, you, you go thing after thing after thing that we have, and it's not like we're we're just reading. It's not like we're reading the tea leaves and some you know mystical experience. Okay, Steve, it's 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 more like we take them for at their word, at face value, and a lot of times what you see happening in Europe ends up coming to the United States. They happen to be ahead of us on the progressive train. So when they're locking people out of their grocery stores, when they're barring them from the economy, when they're making it a requirement that you inject an experimental serum into your body uh, as a condition of employment, which has now come to the United States. And, uh, and ironically, we're now seeing it primarily in the medical field, uh, and it will spread like a pathogen from there. The real pathogen, Steve Cunningham, is this notion that you must have the experimental gene therapy as a condition of usurious employment or usurious slavery. Yeah, there's a reason why nurses and doctors are not taking this jab. And uh, there's even the Denver police, they even came out saying they're not going to, they're going to, they'll quit before they have to take it. <clears throat> there's, there was already a nurse shortage. Uh, it's going to get worse. I like to, you know, blow smoke and just say this is all going to be uh, fine and dandy down the road. We're going to get crushed, but you got to fight. Think of it like Rocky. Rocky always gets his brains kicked in. He goes down swinging. We don't have, we have the church against us and the state. You, we, the governments of every country is at war against you. You, me, Mike, brother, Brian, us. We are the new terrorists. 
they're not going to stop. It's a Terminator thing. They will not stop until you are dead. What's going to happen? The FDA is going to approve. You're going to see it. Like I said, lightning speed cranked up when that happens. Uh, you can say, hey, yeah, my governor is protecting us. The U.N. is going to make a unilateral decision down the road. It will be mandated for everybody. <sighs> yes, I'm all about thinking locally, act locally. You better get into that. Uh, as you saw, like uh, Clay Travis was at one of the things, uh, Ryan Christian talked about that, had, had the video of the mask mandate. And uh, by the way, Travis is all for taking the jab because he likes the he wants to be able to travel and things like that. Like we were talking about, some people are going to have to, you know, make a principal stand. I'm all about it. I know Ryan and, then, and Mike and brother are going to be do not comply. If say you get you say you lose your job now. All right. Come up with get creative. Figure out how to make something later. There's a there's a lot of ideas. Eventually, we're all going to be up the same boat, up the same creek, and we're not going to have a paddle. This is not this is not the hill to die on. This is the doggone hill to die on. After this, if we talk about all the stuff that's coming, the pa the passports, the social credit score. You you're not going to be able to stop it after that. I, I have somebody in the live chat, Brother Martin, who's suggesting that we start a drinking game. It's like an I told you so drinking game, and every time something that we said was going to happen came true, we take a shot. I think the problem is is that we would co cause public scandal by inebriating <laughs> ourselves beyond the point of uh, comprehension. Um, well, it depends on your liver. It does. It who's does. Got a weak liver? I would challenge even my liver. And livers can be trained, it turns out. Yeah. I think it's someone infiltrating the chat in the sense that they want us to, to stop predicting all these things to be true because we're on a roll. I know. It's all it's not like we're not Listen, dominance. we're not speaking Every, these things anybody, into existence. Anybody Stevie Wonder could see this coming. <laughs> hey, literally, it's storm clouds coming. It might rain. Yeah, we're just, you see, we're just you observing. Look, you can go on Drudge Report right things. now and look. Oh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk has a, a story out about these robots that are coming over to take to take people's jobs. That's in The Fourth Industrial Revolution by Klaus Schwab, page 176, I think it is, where it talks about universal basic income and how a robot's going to take over the workforce. They're literally doing everything they've written about. ID 2020, that's what, this, that's what the digital scans are. The facial recognitions, they're talking about not even having facial recognition because masks are going to be every year, like we've said, and everyone else has talked about if you thought if you were told that this was going to be every year, would you have done it? Hopefully you would say no. But they're going to be able to read your they're working on things to read your heart, your heart rate so they can figure out who you are. I don't know how they pull that off. They're going to have they got scanners. This is links on regular NBC. I'll have it on Cloud Planet tomorrow. Scanners in your shirts, your clothing. That's why I get upset about the, uh, the you know, like the bishops are against us. All right, I get the idea that the jab's bad with, because of aborted cells. If there's no aborted cells in it, is it still bad? I mean, and, I, that, I, and some, that's somebody tell that's me the that. real that's if, the real if, point. If, Thank you for saying that, Steve Cunningham. I want to I want to toss this all the way around the Fab Four. The fact of the matter is, they keep saying two things that are dead wrong, and they are damn lies. Number one, it's safe and effective. Number two, mm -hmm. you have a grave reason for taking it. 
Both of those things are false. And every single mitered person, whether he be on Grinder or not, is a liar when he tells you those two things. Number one, it's not safe and it's not effective. We know for sure it's not effective and we know for sure it's not safe. Secondly, we know that it's not a grave reason. 99.996% survival rate? Are you kidding me? Higher percentage chance of dying in a car accident or being shot dead in a bank robbery? I got one of you about let me finish that rant just because that was a perfect uh, uh, piggyback off of. First off, the Oxford study has a thing out. You can go down and change any height, your weight limit, age. At 19 years old, perfect health, you have a one in a million chance of dying. One in a million. They don't have it under 19 because it's probably one in 10 million. You get like 30, 40 years old, you're still, you know, 0.005 or something like this. People are scared over this. You have, uh, uh, oh, so what was one of the things you were saying, Mike? No, 99.96% survival rate. It's not yeah, a, it's not a real grave thing. Uh, Spiro did a thing. You, can, you have a better chance getting hurt by a toilet. Than getting than dying from COVID at you know below the age of sixty. Ryan Grant, the only grave reason that these mitered grinder members can think of is that they want you in the grave. I want to be cautious about inculcating every single bishop in publicly lying, because let's not forget, too, they can be propagandized just as much as the next person, and there's probably a good chance there's a good number of bishops that are pushing this thing because okay, well, that's they've been fair, propagandized. But that, that's a good point. And, and that's so a good point, but let me, there. let me retort to that. I just want to put it out there. How there many of them took the PPP loans? How many of them took yeah. the bailouts? How many exactly. of them are on the government's dime? That's the question. Right. Yeah, they so, could be propagandized, but they could yeah. be bought too. I just want to make sure to put it out there that you know that, that make sure our ju- our judgments are measured. That there are bishops that absolutely are acting in bad will of this whole thing, but there's others that they're going along and they've they've been convinced by this worldview. They got to take these loans. They got to do this. They got to do that. I'm sure you know. So and that's my only caution on that. You know, but otherwise, it comes out to the same thing in the end. Is that they're telling you to take this thing, and it all becomes all about oh the the, the supposed the abortion link. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that you know the CDC what they said is fine, even though it didn't consider all the aspects of the the cooperation there, and there, you still need a grave reason to take it, which they even say in that document. All right, so fine. Now let's go to uh, the reality. Two things: one, the reality of the the uh, so-called pandemic where we have this massive survival rate and this thing is not nearly as deadly for most of society. And if we just gave basic treatments to patients, because there's doctors that are told not to treat COVID patients, just send them to the hospital and stick them on a ventilator. Guess what happens when you stick somebody that's got pneumonia-like symptoms on a ventilator that the, um, you know, the, the, the sacs in your lungs, they fill up with fluid. And when you put a ventilator in there, it destroys those and you give them permanent lung damage or, or even kill them. That's not what ventilators remain for. Mm-hmm. And and so, I mean, ventilators have probably killed more people than COVID has, frankly, um, maybe even more than the jab has, although the jab will overtake him eventually. But so that's one problem you've got going on there where you, you, there is no grave reason for anybody under a certain age group that have to take anything, no matter whether it's, it, it's safe or not. All right. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is it safe and effective? I mean, you look at it, there's a massive effort to, to tamp down all the reporting, demonize VAERS. They always try to demonize VAERS, but now especially. And it's like, look, you look at VAERS reporting for past uh, jabs, 
and it's you know here and it's here. This one, it's through the roof in terms of the the, the reporting. It, yeah. It's just absolutely um, you know unconscionable that anyone could look at that and say this thing is safe and effective. You're and, and the fact is that nobody can say it is safe because nobody knows the long term uh, you know effects of the thing. Second. Nobody can know if it's effective because they keep changing the benchmarks. That's it's right. like, yeah, it's and, effective. And they what? actually say you keep getting it. They actually say that it's not effective. They admit that right. it's not effective. The new super spreaders are the ones that have taken it. To take this thing? How is there an obligation to take this thing? We don't know what's in it. It doesn't seem to do anything. And uh, it doesn't seem to be safe, but somehow you're morally obligated to take that. I'm going to call BS on that, but there's one further point here, too. Yeah. Somehow, back with the Morris Letizia, we, had, uh, we were told that, that there's the primacy of conscience. And conscience allows you to receive Holy Communion in a state of mortal sin, even though that has been formally condemned by an ecumenical council, at least with the Council of Trent, and probably a few others you know, as well. Um, but yet, somehow... There's no conscience to refuse to take this experimental medical technology that is harming people and for which there's no grave cause to take. Uh, explain to me how that works, Sherlock, uh, it, 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 you know, except that the money. Who's getting paid off by Pfizer is what I want to know. I'd love to see whether, you know, money is going into Episcopal coffers from the big pharma companies themselves or from the government on behalf of big pharma, yeah. which I know is a very serious charge. But otherwise, it's inexplicable to me how they can make these absurd, uh, you know, you know, claims and demands on you, on your conscience, that they won't make for things that will literally put you into hell, which is far worse than getting COVID. Yeah, brother Martin, um, but, I want to bring you in on this discussion. I want to, uh, I want to walk down this path. Let's assume that um, that there is that there is no abortion taint to the to the so-called uh, death serums. Uh, whether or not they would be, you would still have a, a, a moral reason to not take them. But Steve, you have something on safe and effective. Check out Dr. Sam Sam Bailey. She's a doctor out of uh, New Zealand, which is shut down right now for one one death one one case, not one death case. Uh, she has quite a few videos on safe and effective, the history of it. This is not just a, uh, a modern thing. It goes back even to the chickenpox jab, which you see the problems with the chickenpox jab is they get a worse thing down the road, which if you're following what's going on right now, as Dr. Uh, uh, Bikur, I can't think his name, is a uh, Buddhist uh, doc in Germany, and uh, Yeadon has said, if you take three or four of these things, better make sure you have a will to go with it. But Dr. Bailey talks about these things as they were safe and effective, and there was high problems with those, and that not even near what we're getting with this. So yeah, just just, just do that. Go on the YouTube, type in Dr. Sam Bailey. I'm shocking she's even still on YouTube right now, but she she's done a great job on historical context of safe and effective as well. Brother Martin. Supposing that uh, you exclude the murder of innocent children from the research and the derivative of this particular serum, can can anyone credibly say that it's an act of charity to take it? First of all, the remote use of, of abortifetal cell lines in the production of the, this, this jab um, is only one issue. 
but we've been talking about safe and effective and that's another complete issue that parents especially for their kid for their children have to discern whether or not this is something worth injecting in their children's bodies because their children don't know what you know what to inject in their bodies they they trust their parents completely and so if something isn't it it is it, still undergoing clinical trials which means sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and when it doesn't it could paralyze you it could you know basically end your life uh, or whatever else um, no, there's still a grave moral obligation to discern whether or not a jab uh, is is worth taking for yourself and for your and for your children. So, in one sense, it, it removes one obstacle, but it doesn't remove all of them that are that are incredibly important. And it seems like that's uh, the one obstacle behind which some bishops are willing to hide, but they're not willing to go even further and challenge the safe and effectiveness, right? Like they they take even, they take the people at their word and Ryan you're probably right that it's easy for a mitered person to be propagandized to it's also easy for a mitered person to be bought off in my humble opinion but they are hiding behind the one obstacle some of them are anyway of the of of the aborted fetal cells none of them are going any deeper than that none of them are willing to say not one not one in the United States anyway I don't know about around the world but not one is willing to stand up and say hey I don't even think that this thing is safe or effective. Well, not only that, it, the, the issue also with the hierarchy is the fact that who's who's actually going to kick them out? I mean, we, we can embarrass them all we want to the media. We can expose all of their cellular phone data all we want and embarrass them and all that kind of stuff. But eventually, who's going to be the one to kick them out? If, if, if they and their superiors don't want them to leave their offices, they're not going to. They're not going to. So those who really think that... Um, you know, there's, there's hope in, in, in embarrassing these, these bishops and calling them out, all that kind of stuff. To be honest, I mean, there have been Catholic media personas that have been doing this for like 10, 20 years. And, and we've maybe moved the football one yard forward. Um, not much has been done. Little sprinkles here and there. One person has been removed here. One person has been removed there. But ultimately, still, the same cabal is running the show. The same cabal is running the show. Yeah, and um, folks are folks are looking at the show now, and they're saying, "Hey, do you guys have any good news?" Um, hey, we no. do. We do have some good we news, do. and I want to pivot into that. Cardinal Burke, here you see some of the press doing mental backflips over the fact that he was on a ventilator. Here's the Irish Post. Cardinal Raymond Burke, vaccine skeptic, Irish American Catholic Cardinal in serious condition in hospital with COVID nineteen. Lots of people in the mainstream media were celebrating the fact that Cardinal Burke was Cardinal Burke was fighting for his life. He was on a ventilator. Happy to report tonight on the rundown that it appears as though reports are saying that Cardinal Burke is now off the ventilator and in stable condition. That's a statistically unlikely thing, Steve Cunningham, because the ventilator we know has been a death sentence for most people. Yeah, I think the uh, count is 50 to 70%. I remember seeing that uh, Twitter was talking about, yeah, we're putting him on a ventilator. I'm going, what? <laughs> I, there's two guys I know of that went on a ventilator this week, and I'm going, what do you guys watch? What do you guys listen to? Who's who's in charge of this that doesn't know that that's what Cuomo used to kill off a lot of people? I mean, was, I was pulling the hair I have left out of my hair, head during this. Uh, thank the good Lord. I mean, I was kind of confident anyways. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, are we consistent in our beliefs that this isn't killing, this isn't the black plague, okay? If uh, There was a lot of guys that were going, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. There's, it's in our heads. 
a little bit of, I don't want to say superstition, this might happen. Like uh, Jason Whitlock, it happened to him on Fearless on the Blaze. A friend of his got I got the Rona. He's been at the house the whole the last couple of weeks. His friend asked him to come over. He didn't do it because he was scared. What if? So even the best of us are still have that in our heads. Yeah. What if I catch this? What if I don't like it? Yeah. I got guys down the street that his whole family got it the last week. Uh, they were fine. They got some. Uh, uh, the, I can't say the word on here because we might get we might get struck for it. Don't say the word. Hi, hey, Fluffy Florifin. It wasn't even that. It was, okay. Iver, it was the Iver Hempton, <laughs> but you were totally yeah. fine. Yeah. And they were, and he was, and he's not, he's not in the best shape. That's another thing. That's a focus for everyone out here. Start eating right, work out. I mean, there's a lot of I me. Mean, I mean, that's great that you, you know, we're praying a lot, reading a lot, and doing other things. You got to take care of your body too. That's that's. It's not something to say, hey, let me just become a fat slob on the corner. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're eating right, you're working out, you're doing something productive for your family. That's not a selfish thing to do. It's a selfless thing to do. I'm not saying go out there and be uh, Arnold. <laughs> kind of funny. Arnold's on my mind for the whole uh, yeah. <laughs> screw your freedom idea. But get get in shape. Work out. Hit me up. I've, I've had a couple people text me up on a direct message giving them a workout plan. I used to be a trainer. My brother used to be a trainer. It's not that hard. There's, you can do it outside. You don't have to have a gym. You can do it in your house. I'll tell you how to do it. But you got to get make that so that for you and your family for down the road. Because, again, this is not ending. It's not ending. Um, this is your daily reminder that the NFL is still gay. Of oh our boy! Okay, here we go. Okay. Um, hey, Mike. I, I feel like I need to hear something holy after seeing that ad. Okay, I don't know if that's an improvement. I think I would rather, honestly, I think I would rather watch the NFL ad. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. It's 50-50 for me. Time for the unpopular opinion segment. This is the segment that is most understood, misunderstood, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. The reason why it's it's misunderstood is because democracy is like the NFL. It's gay. Um, We are going to put a poll out on Twitter if you're on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, you're probably a saint. If you are on Twitter, you're in the devil's playground. And if you block me on Twitter and like to write articles about me from behind the block wall then you are definitely in the devil's playground and you're like an NFL player. Uh, but the point of the matter is <laughs> we give you the most unpopular opinions of the week. And uh, in order to incentivize us to do so, uh, you need to vote for the one that's objectively the most unpopular. The most unpopular. It's not hard, people. It's not really that complicated. 
You vote for the most unpopular. Not the one with which you disagree the most. Not the one with which you agree the most. But the one which you think is objectively the most unpopular. Traditionally, we do start with Steve. Steve Cunningham, your unpopular opinion for this week. I, before I do it, I just want to put a bow on the uh, the Bishop thing. Uh, the whole Event 201, what they talk about. They need to get the religious guys on board so they could talk to us, to, so they get us to trust buy into the plan. There's a vaccineconfidence.com site that WF puts together. They talk about getting the religious guys pushing it, getting the clerics on board. I hate to say it, our boys are, unfortunately, until they come about, they're against us on this. Pray for them. Use the, the Holy Face Chaplet, Ryan, uh, that uh, Mike was talking about. The prayer in there you say 33 times. As Serge Domine, arise, O Lord, and let their enemies be scattered. Let them that hate thee Flee from before thy face. That's a pretty cool prayer, by the way. Uh, my and pop. Uh, repeat it 100 times a day. I will not comply. Do not comply. I will not comply. Something about comply. Say whatever language you want to do it. Do not comply. Do you see the more signs coming up on the uh, doors of restaurants? Must be muzzled to go in. Do not comply. Walk in proud with your head up. And if they tell you something, if they tell you that, bust them up on the facts, go somewhere else, do whatever. Don't, enough of this, as one priest did a sermon, the time to be a comfy Catholic is long over. You're going to expect martyrdom to come in more, many different ways. Better start getting your, t- your skin toughened up right now. Do not comply to literally anything. Get out of the cities if you can't. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, Steve Cunningham, don't comply, get out of the cities. Not non-servium, uh, I will not comply. Ryan Grant. Disinclined acquiesce to your request, as it were. <laughs> That's how I phrase it. All right, so before I do the end pop, just to address a couple questions in the chat. Um, first of all, um, somebody said I look like I'm from Afghanistan uh, my uh, my mother's side of the family is Ashkenazi Jews. Ashkenazi Jews come from Kazakhstan, which is right near Afghanistan. So there there's probably some relation on that side of the family going over that way. The beard I have been growing out since the picture we used for the rundown. So the beard in our thumbnail actually belongs to the jah- the original jihadi that I, I photoshopped my face onto. Now, but because mine actually looks quite a bit like his. It looks like it's natural. So just in case anyone's uh, curious about that, asking about that, um, which I've seen a couple comments in the chat about that. So my unpopular opinion this week, depending on the nature of this audience, should be the most unpopular opinion I've ever given. Um, Star Trek Three is a better movie than Star Trek Two. <laughs> <laughs> So Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan, everyone loves it. It's a great movie. It really. Is. But in terms of, of um, presentation of story and writing, Star Trek Three is a better movie. And Le- uh, Leonard Nimoy directed it. Um, there's an interesting bit of backstory there. Leonard Nimoy and, and uh, William Shatner got into it during the original series, and so they had it written in their contract: if one gets certain types of things, pay raises, perks, etc., the other has to get it. So. Even though this wasn't binding for the movies, they took it to carry over to the movies. And so after Leonard Nimoy directed Star Trek Three, 
they uh, once they got to Star Trek Five, they said, "Well, let, let's let William Shatner direct it." And of course, it was an absolute disaster. Um, uh, what it was, what Trump said about third world countries, you know, <laughs> it, it just wasn't. But that's why that happened. But Leonard Nimoy, very competent director, made a brilliant film. It's underrated. Somehow, Star Trek Three gets kind of grouped in with one and five. It, it was fantastic and better. Here's the beard, Brother Martin. Do you have an opinion? <laughs> do you have an opinion about the Star Trek movies? To be honest, I've never seen a single Star Trek. Yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I have no. I don't even I don't even know if what Ryan said was objectively unpopular or or not. I have no idea. If we have certain classes of Trekkies in the audience, it's very unpopular. If not, I'm, then everyone's gonna be like, "What the hell? I'm voting for Brother Martin." I think I've, I think I've only even seen like one or two of the Star Wars. This, out of all of them that are Ryan, this is not one Peter five of twenty twenty. Okay, we're not talking about Star Trek here, <laughs> brother Martin. If you're not in the legitimate risk of losing something, whether it be your house, your career, if you're not at a legitimate risk of losing something because you're holding some principle, then you're doing Catholicism wrong. Right now, they're attacking us from lit- literally all sides all sides and so if you don't feel in some way that your family is being attacked from all sides um ask yourself why because the last 80 years since since the 30 1930s 1940s we've we've undergone a pax romana so to speak where we've had decades where we've had a relative amount of peace but right now especially like we spoke earlier in the show in afghanistan where the Taliban is going around looking for Bible apps on our phones. How many of us have some sort of prayer app on our phone? And and, and we're we're totally safe. You know, I, I think we we certainly take all of this for granted. Uh, I know I do. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here packing up my stuff because I thanks to all of you guys who who have donated to the Oblates of Saint Augustine, uh, we get to have a house where we can uh, protect ourselves and protect other other priests who who get ousted by their bishops. Um, so we have the, these luxuries. But if you're if you don't feel like you're you're having to watch your step or having to watch what you say publicly etc cetera, etc cetera. um you you can turn it up a notch you can turn your catholicism up a notch uh, so i guess my unpopular opinion is if if well our lord said you know if they persecuted me they will persecute you just as much as he said the poor will always be with you so if you believe the poor will always be with us because our lord said so you should also believe that constantly we should we should be facing persecution um so that's my unpopular opinion. If you're if you're not being legitimately persecuted for something, uh, then you can you have you have the room to turn your Catholicism up a notch. I've been able to win a couple of these polls merely by the virtue of the fact that I just take what Brother Martin says and I try to one up him. So here's my attempt at doing that. <laughs> my attempt at doing that is that the one thing that's holding us back, the main obstacle, the primary reason why we don't put anything at risk, why we don't put any chips on the table, why we have nothing on the line and nothing to lose, the main reason why we are unwilling to do that and, and, and uh, why, as the world is on fire, we risk almost nothing. The one reason why, and I'm looking at you men, fathers and husbands, protectors and providers, one reason why is because we are addicted to comfort. We love comfort. In fact, we have deified comfort. We've made comfort our highest value. And that manifests itself in many ways. We like to wear shorts when it's hot. We like to 
do Netflix and chill. We have an aversion to the arduous, as it were. We have a horror of suffering. These are theological phrases that should have meaning to us. And if they have no meaning to us, if they're meaningless, then that's a problem. The main reason why we have nothing on the line, the main reason why we're unwilling to sacrifice is effeminacy. That's essentially the definition of effeminacy is an unwillingness to sacrifice. It's an addiction to comfort. It's an aversion to suffering. So So my point here today, ladies and gentlemen, especially to you gentlemen, is that you're not gentlemen. We need gentlemen because gentlemen know how to fight They know how to suffer, and they know a little bit about decorum, too. It's not just about LARPing. It's about living. It's about living the faith. And that's one of the things that we talk about quite a bit, not only on this show, but on the other podcasts that I do on Restoring the Faith. So if you find that you have nothing in common with what Brother Martin just said, if you find that you have nothing to lose by living your faith, it's not merely a fact of you're not living your faith properly. It's that you're too comfortable So let's get comfortable being uncomfortable, shall we? That's the unpop. Okay, let's get to the grifter segment. The grifter segment, I feel like after looking at the clown planet over here, look at this guy. You need those big sunglasses, Steve. You know, the the ones that go like beyond your face. We need to purify. I don't know what this is. We need to baptize this thing. Hold on. Cleanse Cleanse your palate here. Okay, take the take the cloud face off, Steve Cunningham. Do you have anything that you are grifting this week? And you do not know how hot I was like thinking in there, going, "Man, Mike, please stop talking. I can't breathe." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, my, "My point. I don't know what your point is, but I'm about to." I was filibustering because you were turning blue. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i do have a uh, it's not mine but some friends of mine made it uh owned or be owned wow. uh, our friends uh, my friends uh, michael graney of uh uh i can't think because i'm out of oxygen right now uh the podcast i do with him and uh uh what's her face <laughs> They're writing a book that I tried. I got them to do. They have a website and it has owned or be owned. And uh, I did make for all you Irish fans out there, Irish men on the site, the San Patricio's T-shirt is now available. I just did a podcast with Doctor uh, <clears throat> on the uh, topic on his book, The Irish Soldiers of Mexico, which is a, a topic that not a lot of people know of. The San Patricio's down there that deserted the U.S. Protestant anti-Catholic army to go fight for on the side of the Catholic Church in Mexico in an unjust war, by the way. Sorry, I caught Mike in mid drink. You did. Oh, I thought you I thought you had more in you. I thought you were going somewhere with that, so I was I was um No, watch the show watch the thing. I talked enough during it, which wasn't I was hydrated. No, it just premiered right before we did this. There was no chance of catching it, but I will catch it later tonight. Ryan Grant Okay, so this month in the book club, last month I showed Mariology Volume 1, so we're just going in order on that series. So we have Mariology Volume 2 coming out this month, much bigger book. 
Yeah, this is really meat of the whole series in terms of the the formal doctrines that the church teaches about Our Lady, um, and so that that's what you'll get in the book club, the Mediatrix Plus Press uh, book club. Um, one of the things I had on there um, in terms of the the e stuff you get was that we, there would be like a Q and A with me, and it was originally intended to be with a guest, and I've never done it. And it says on there you're going to get that. And you've, I've never given it to the subscribers. Now, the book club's a year old this month. And so finally, I figured out how to work Zoom. So I will be sending an email out. So if there's any subscribers that are there in the chat watching or whatever, um, you know, we're going to do that next week. And I'm just going to make it like a general talk about anything except don't ask me about Robert Bellarmine instead of Acantism. I said everything I'm ever going to say about that on Taylor Marshall. You can go look that up. Outside of that, history, art, anything you want to ask about anything, you know, if I know anything about it, happy to, you know, do that. So I will send that link out there. Mm. In the meantime, I've got other books. Uh, so this book, I've been thinking about missions a lot lately. So I have this book on Father Simeon Lordell, who was uh, one of the White Fathers. He went down to uh, Africa and to Uganda. He was one of the very first missionaries into Uganda. Um, they, they have monuments to him there. And they did a lot of amazing things there. So, and it's just an extremely well-written book on Father Simeon Lordell and the stuff he did to uh, you know, bring the faith to people that nobody really wanted to go to. Um, and so missions is one of those. I have a couple books on missions and missionaries. Nobody buys them. Nobody really. I want to see something about, I don't know, Vatican II and, and, and why we need to be mad. And, and, and you know, you know I, I try not to get into that. So I try to get as much as I can on history, theology, saints, whatever. So that's a great book. You should buy it. Um, I've only got a couple, you know, about five copies in stock at the moment. So if it ends up getting a huge response, you know, uh, bear with me. I'll get the, I'll get them in pretty quickly. The next book, last book I'm going to mention tonight, uh, Franciscans and the Reformation in, in the English Revolution. I published this, you know, a few months ago. Didn't get a lot of attention. I, I was trying to get someone to do an interview on that, and we, we just didn't get it to happen. But uh, it's, it's a great book. Um, what are we at here? Three hundred over three hundred pages on Franciscans who were killed during the Reformation in England. Uh, a lot of great history, a lot of great testimonies to to the faith there. And, um, and I always go back to the English Reformation for our own times. Now we're going to look and see within the next couple of years the mass is going to go underground. You're going to have where priests are going to be trying to get around their own bishops to give people the sacraments because their own bishops will be trying to shut them down. And you're going to have situations where people are going to be, all right, the Mass is going to be here at such and such time. Don't bring your phones. Don't take pictures to put on Fedbook and Twitter and all these things to alert your bishop to which priest he's got to go suspend or excommunicate or whatever, uh, or the state to go infiltrate and arrest everybody who's there, whatever's going to end up happening. Um, you know, that that's that's the world we're coming into, just like the English Reformation. A lot of these Franciscans that are cataloged in that book, they dealt with that. They suffered with that. They had to, you know, live, you know, in, in disguise, making it look like they lived, they worked in this trade as doing whatever, go back into their, their residence and put their habit back on and say mass in the breviary and then show up somewhere. And there would always be someone that the state had something on, leaned on them. Uh, all right, you got to turn in your fellow Catholics or else you've got, um, 
you know, mm. we're going to kill you. Okay, so I'll go infiltrate that and tell you who's saying mass and mm. uh, and so on and so forth. And so that, that's the whole story of the English Reformation. So anything that has to do with that, I always advise people to read it because that's where the world we are going to. And you've got to be smart. Steve talked about this last year in Census Fidelium during the, uh, the w- when most of the churches were still closed down in this country, and there were priests who would say Mass and not require people to wear the Fauci diapers and everything. And then people would post pictures. Oh, look, Father so-and-so, how great it is. He's not making us wear the, the Fauci diaper. Next thing you know, the bishop comes down on him like lightning. And uh, next thing you know, he's going to get suspended if he doesn't enforce it. So don't be that person. Don't be stupid. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it that way. Don't be stupid. Brian, this is the grifter segment. Don't put it out there. Brian. So anyway, learn how to not be stupid. Learn it. Grifter slash unpopped. You know what we say in Texas? You can't can't fix stupid. This is the grifter segment, Ryan. (laughs) This is the grifter segment. Before we get to you, brother, I know you guys love the grift. Build it up to sell the the book. I found this t-shirt. My my magnificent producer, James, here has this t-shirt. And uh, I'm not quite sure where he bought it. Hopefully not from the um, hopefully not from the river website down in uh, you know Brazil. But I feel like we need to take up space with something. I'm not a big t-shirt guy, but if I were, I would wear this t-shirt. Uh, I'm not selling it. I'm not grifting. It. I'm just saying it's a good idea, Steve. You maybe you should sell it. Uh, I, hung, I hung a Black Lives Matter shirt outside of a Planned Parenthood once. <laughs> Brother Martin, are you ever going to tell us something? Are you? Do you have any news that you're able to share, or is this not the week? Unfortunately, this is not yet the week. As you can see behind me, I have it all blurred because I have all my stuff, all my books. My my lovely bookshelf is all, and I, it breaks my heart because I, I want to read a book. I want to check something out, and now they're all packed in boxes. Um, within the next two to three weeks, I'll be uh, traveling. Do, 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 do. Across the United States to uh, <laughs> the new location uh, of the Old St. Augustine Monastery. However, I can't yet announce the location because I still have to go through the proper protocol with the local bishop, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so I, I, I'm anxious to, to, to announce it to you guys as well. I I'm, I'm really am so anxious because I'm so thankful You're to you guys. You're going to leave us hanging? Guys. You're really going to leave us hanging? You do this big fundraiser I have and we to. can't know <laughs> anything. Wait, wait yeah. for the next episode. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to, and it breaks my heart to do so. But and you guys were so great. Um, you you blew me away raising over you know half more one hundred sixty thousand dollars and and you know before then I, I hadn't raised more than four, um, but you guys are so generous, uh, and I thank you guys so much. I pray for all of you who who donate to the Oblates of Saint Augustine. We remember you every day in our prayers and our divine office. Uh, and specifically offer mass for for each of our benefactors every single Wednesday. So uh, just know that that we that we continually pray for you guys and are and are constantly thankful. Um, our our website is www.oblatesofsaintaugustine.com. Um, Where can you send if you, the future mail to? If you yeah, good, yeah <laughs> nice question. Uh, uh, but uh, if if you can, if you're willing, if you're able, uh, set up a monthly recurring payment, forty dollars a month. This is this is what the fundraiser was. Was it was ten dollars a week. Um, that will significantly help us out because we have a lot of vocation inquiries, and as soon as we get this new place set up. Uh, we'll be able to start accept, uh, welcoming them and, and having them visit and having them discern. Um, and of course, each like as you all know, you all have families. Um, each each new each new gift from God um, costs costs a little bit. Uh, so if you guys could help us uh, grow a monastery, a traditional Catholic monastery um, that we could use to preserve the traditions, because right now it's it's more under fire than ever. So we want to pr- 
preserve the liturgical traditions, preserve the Augustinian charism, and make sure there's at least one one lasting traditional community alive. Uh, that when when all the churches are burned down, we have at least one seed to plant uh, to grow everything uh, again. Um, and just a reminder for RTF fans, I really do want to sue the USCCB and in particular Archbishop of Kansas City, Kansas, Archbishop Nauman, for telling people that this experimental gene therapy is safe and effective and mandating that they take it. Uh, if you, well, that's if my you, motto: sue them all. Everybody. If you're interested in joining the fight, I'm serious about it. I'm serious about it. I have hundreds of people that want to do it. It's a matter of fundraising. It's a matter of finding the right lawyer. And mostly it's a matter of finding the right victim who has standing. Uh, If you're interested in joining the fight, just go to restoringthefaith.com and um, let's get in the fight. Thanks for watching. This is the rundown. Please subscribe to Census Fidelium. Subscribe to Restoring the Faith. Become a book club member at Mediatrix Press. Your hand is raised. Live long and prosper. Oh, okay. I thought, handled it. I thought he had <laughs> a question track. or a comment. <laughs> and support the Oblates of St. Augustine. God bless you. Thank you.